UCL football fans, listen up. When you watch the UEFA Champions League with Heineken, you're never watching alone, even if you're watching alone. Heineken has teamed up with some of the world's greatest footballing legends to bring you the Heineken UCL Live. Seven legendary hosts to take you through every moment of seven unmissable UCL games, and they want you to get involved. Bring the banter and the rivalry, and you could win epic prizes. Tune in using the hashtag HeinekenUCLLive on Twitter during match nights, and don't forget to enter the competition. Season C's apply. Not for persons under the age of 18. Drink responsibly. Big questions, even bigger guests. This is The Big Interview. Good day and welcome to the SL Podcast. In honor of uh, Heineken's sponsorship of our shows, we wanted to invite a South African legend who has played abroad in the UEFA Champions League and across leagues in Europe, as well as our national team at two World Cups. He is an absolute legend who's played for Everton, Ajax Amsterdam and Borussia Dortmund, and he has made a name for himself permanently when it comes to the English Premier League and the Eredivisie abroad in Europe. It is our honor and pleasure to be joined by Mr. Stephen Pienaar. This is the big interview brought to you by Heineken. Stephen, welcome to the show. Hi guys, thanks for having me on the show. So to hit the rewind button, when you think about your development years at the School of Excellence and the Ajax youth system, what key parts of your game were perfected in those early years? Um, yeah, how to, to, to manage the ball, to be comfortable on the ball at a young age, how to play in small spaces. That's what we learned at a school of excellence, you know, to play in a crowded area where you have to maneuver through two players and also to keep your head up, know where you're going, know what's around you. You know, you have to be alert in that kind of things. And I think that helped me a lot uh, when I moved abroad um, to, to the Netherlands. Um, the coaches were quite surprised that uh, my reading of the game was uh, up there with the, the best, you know. And um, yeah, and that helped me if you learn it at a young age. Uh, it will always uh, uh, yeah, affect your game. Back then, which attacking players would you say had the biggest impact on your style of play and why? Yeah, back then... Uh, Growing up, obviously, as an Orlando Pirates supporter, I always used to look up Tebo Gomeloy because um, we, you know, as a midfielder, you look at the, the similarities, he's a ball player. And he was like one of uh, my heroes growing up. Uh, also, John John Muerti Dungi, the, the former captain of Orlando Pirates. Uh, I used to admire his game, his, his, uh, the way he, he went about organizing the midfield, always, uh, you know, for small player, he was always among getting his... Uh, uh, his foot stuck in getting into tackles and he was comfortable on the ball as well so that was my players back home and in Europe I always uh, used to look up to yeah Seydorf uh, Edgar Davids that kind of players uh, obviously as a midfielder you, you look you you want to model your game around those kind of players and what can you can you get better at um, Seydorf obviously was a powerful player technical very good Edgar Davids as well the pit bull in the midfield uh, you know good on the ball have an eye for pass and full of energy so that was the players uh, 
I admired growing up. Now, uh, you know, midfielders are known for their work rates, and uh, you're no uh, stranger to that. You, you're always up and down the pitch when you when you're on the field. Uh, you've played with the likes of Ibra, even roomed with him. But which player from from Ajax or any of the teams you play for in Europe would you say had the biggest impact in terms of their work rate on the pitch? Who was the hardest working player that you played alongside? Wow, there were so many. Um, at the Ajax, uh, at the time, I'll say Thomas Galasek, uh, the former Czech international and Ajax Amsterdam captain. He was an experienced player. Uh, he was, for me, at Ajax, he was the one that uh, made everything look so simple. Working hard, always in the right place at the right time. He knew how to, to cover the, the other midfielders. Yeah, for me, he was one of the, the players up there. and. At Ajax, I'll say, yeah, that was him. And in at Everton, yeah, everyone was actually working hard. So there was <laughs> the model around the team. So yeah, I can't actually pinpoint someone out at Everton. But for me, Galasek was uh, was an unbelievable player. Um, yeah, he was for me the, the most hardworking player I've come across. And now you mentioned Everton, which is perhaps your most iconic period of your career. Um, and now, you know, we're seeing um, English fans, uh, you know, for not the best of reasons, but we're seeing a lot more of them in the public eye recently. So I wanted to ask, um, you know, do you recall any funny or interesting interactions that you had with supporters in England? Um, yeah, uh, I had a lot, uh, always before the games, uh, when we, when we pull up in a, in a car park, you always had the kids around standing, waiting for the players to come. At Everton, obviously, Goodison Park is kind of an old stadium. So the supporters, they will just barricade uh, where the players have to park and yeah, all the fans would stand around. Uh, and yeah, things uh, sometimes, you know, one of the players, uh, Louis Saha at the time, we, we got out of our cars. We, we had a little chat before walking into the stadium and one of the, the supporters, a uh, young boy, he jumped over the barricades and pulled Louis Saha's cap and just took off. <laughs> and we were like, wow, what's going on here, you know? And I couldn't believe it. All right, before we continue on with the show, uh, just a quick word from our sponsors. UCL football fans, listen up. When you watch the UEFA Champions League with Heineken, you're never watching alone, even if you're watching alone. Heineken has teamed up with some of the world's greatest footballing legends to bring you the Heineken UCL Live seven legendary hosts to take you through every moment of seven unmissable UCL games. Well, there's one more left with the Champions League final coming up, but they want you to get involved. Bring the banter and the rivalry and you could win epic prizes. Tune in using the hashtag HeinekenUCLLive on Twitter during match nights and don't forget to enter the competition. T's and C's apply, not for persons under the age of 18. Drink responsibly. Speaking of the Champions League, what was it like when you first got the chance to play in the UEFA Champions League with Ajax? Um, it was a dream come true for me as a young boy from, from Westbury. Uh, you know, you always used to watch the games, AC Milan, Ajax play in the Champions League. And when I finally got that opportunity, you know, just to, to walk out before a game. I remember my first, uh, my first game, I was on a bench. Um, I think we played, uh, if I'm not sure, Rosenberg. Uh, at home and I was on a bench and we walked out and you hear the, 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 the supporters, the, the atmosphere in the stadium. Um, Ajax supporters singing to the Bob Marley uh, song when we walked out. And then th that that moment when the Champions League anthem comes on, oh, the, my, you, it's like you get chicken chicken skin, you know, the, the goosebumps was just, that was an unbelievable uh, 
feeling, you know, just to walk out and hear the anthem. Then you, you knew that this is the highest level of club football that you've reached. And for me, as a boy from Westbury, I, I couldn't believe it every time I walked out onto the field. Now, having played across Europe, it's no surprise to see you involved with Heineken's UCL campaign. What have been your takeaways from this season's competition? Um, it's uh, obviously Heineken always bring the game to the people, no matter where you are in the world. So that's uh, that's what we we enjoy about Heineken. And for me, you know, obviously interacting with the with the, with the supporters, with the fans, uh, it's it's been uh, unbelievable. The banter with the supporters on Twitter, it's been it, it's been off the chart, you know. And I I, I really enjoy being involved, uh, getting under skins of the fans, and you know, and the excitement about the the games. It's been the level is been unbelievable this this season and it's going to be an all english UEFA champions league final we've seen those before who do you see winning this tournament you know obviously man city have been very dominant chelsea have been resurgent after that slow start uh who's your money on and why um for me uh i'll go for man city pure because of pep and the way they play um they for me personally, they've been the best team uh, across Europe this season. Um, for a manager to come in and make a team play the way he wants them to play, that's that's a good uh, attribute for the, from the manager side. But then again, Chelsea under Thomas Tuchel has been a different Chelsea that we've seen over the yeah, last couple of months since he took over. Um, yeah, it's going to be a tough one. And Chelsea have already beaten Man City twice. So it's it's a tough one, but I'll... I personally want the city to win, but it's 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 one of those games that it can go either way, and both teams are, are top teams, and they deserve to be in the final. It's going to be a hot contest on the 29th. Now, between uh, the 2009-10 season, uh, you perhaps had your most memorable run. You won Player of the Season for Everton. You came home and you represented us at the World Cup. What single moment replays in your mind the most from that period of your career? Wow, um, obviously uh, the draw of the of the of the World Cup. Um, I remember I was standing in the office at Everton, and when we when the draw came up, I was so nervous. Um, you know, as a as a, a player that's going to represent this country on home soil, you know, you, I wanted the, an easy draw, but then I, when I saw it coming up, I was like, wow, this is going to be a tough one for us. You know, when when I saw Uruguay coming out, Mexico. France. Um, that was one of the toughest groups that I think uh, in that World Cup, uh, you know, any anyone could have gone through. And obviously, uh, yeah, just flying back home uh, for, for the preparations of the World Cup. I joined the team quite late uh, because I, I think it was uh, something to do with the volcanoes in, in Iceland. I couldn't fly back on time. So, yeah, when I got back to South Africa and when I landed at Oatambo, when I just walked out, the people, the, the, the reception I got, you know, and I could see this is something that's really happening. Uh, the excitement about the people, the happiness. And yeah, for me, it was that moment that I realized this is something uh, that's going to be lasting in the rest for the rest of my life. I'm going to have that memories always playing back, playing back. And I, I can tell my, my kids about it about the time. 100%. And it was truly a magical moment for our country. Um, I always make the joke that we even stopped crime for that World Cup. Um, but, uh, you know, later in your career, unfortunately, you had some injuries affect you, um, leaving us to wonder what if. So in a perfect world, had you not had injury affect your progress, what other major accomplishments uh, would you have been hoping for from 2011 onwards? 
Um, obviously, uh, my time at Tottenham. That's I think that's where it, it all started. Uh, the injuries uh, coming uh, when I joined Tottenham. Uh, I think after the yeah the fourth game, I got a concussion. Um, after after the concussion, recovering, I got back into playing. Played uh, the Champions League uh, games, the two games against AC Milan in the court. I think it was the last 16. Mm, played well. Uh, I remember before we played AC Milan away, the day before the game, we had a session in the stadium. And I walked up to the manager and I told him, I'm like, boss, there's something that I feel in my back and my stomach, you know? I don't feel quite sharp. And he, he was like, oh, maybe it's just nerves. I was like, no, uh, this is something that I've never felt before. Mm-hmm. And then I played a game against AC Milan. Away, I think I played 70, 75 minutes, um, and then I played the second game. And after that, you know, that pain that I, I started feeling came back. And then I just told them, like, listen, I don't know what uh, I've never felt this kind of pain. And I, we found out later that I, I ruptured my, my two hernias, uh, both sides, and I had to to go under the knife. Uh, but I think uh, if I have to play it back in my mind, I would have done the the, the operation. At the, at the time, I felt it, but mm-hmm. I, I left it and I thought, you know what, I'm going to give it to the, the preseason, build on it, um, and then I got better. And then I think I, I got injured uh, with the national team also in that preseason time. I, I, I twisted my knee, and then, yeah, my whole preseason was just, uh, yeah, wasn't going according to plans. And that's when everything just started uh, falling apart, you know. And then I had to have an operation on my hernia. It took me uh, three, three and a half months when I was first to get better. And when I got better, I had to move to Everton. So that also, you know, and when I was at Everton, I started playing again regularly. And I remember I got injured uh, just, I think, the season before Moise, uh, oh, Moise left already when Martinez came. Uh, we had a good run with the team. And then in the, in the quarterfinals of the FA Cup against us, just by taking a, a normal corner, I just twisted my knee, and that's uh, that's when I knew that wow, this is not not good. And then everything just went downhill from there. You know, after the operation, couldn't get back to to keep to staying fit for for whole season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, yeah. I think if I have to look back that moment when I was at Spurs, when I felt that first pain, I think that's when I had to put my foot down and say, listen, this is my body. I need to do it now. And you know. It could have been, uh, could have gone the other way, but yeah, you know, it's it's life. Uh, you learn from those things, and now as a as a retired player, uh, young uh, young coach, that's the kind of advice I can give to young players. When you feel something, just communicate to the coach and let him know. This you you can feel the pain. The coach can't feel it, and just be more dominant in, uh, about telling the coach. You know, I think uh, for me that would have been uh, if I just had stopped at that time, I, maybe something would have gone different. Maybe my career would have gone on the way I wanted it to go. But yeah, you know, it's life. Uh, you have to learn from them. And can't, you can't keep those bad memories forever. True. And I mean, you'll, you'll never say this, I know this, but as an Arsenal fan, personally, I'm more than happy to blame Tottenham. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> um, while, while playing in Europe, what's a random pastime or, or non-football activity that you miss from, from your playing days? What, what, do, what do players get up to that side? 
Um, yeah, most of the players they were into into golf, uh, always on a golf course. Uh, I got invited a couple of times, but I was uh, more the caddy man, so <laughs> I didn't fancy myself playing golf. So yeah, for me it was just yeah, when I wasn't playing, it was always uh, being with a kid, being at home with a family. Didn't do much, but uh, when I did get an invite uh, with the guys, I was always the caddy man, just driving around in the in the golf cart. <laughs> that was my that was my part of being a <laughs> being a player every golfer needs a caddy yeah um <laughs> so um you know you mentioned uh being able to banter with fans online for the heineken ucl live during your playing and coaching career you've obviously seen the evolution of social media how much do you see it impacting football especially nowadays um yeah it's in a negative way i'll say it impact football um obviously the last couple of couple of months or i'll say that this whole season there's been a lot of racial abuse online and for me that's yeah you know when i was playing i wasn't into all instagram i was more a bit on twitter because you can you know inter interact with the, with the fans but not really taking it personal but the abuse has been it's been it's it's been bad this year it's, uh, you know and for for me, that's that's a minus point. I'll I'll say yeah. Obviously, players want to show what they're up to, giving uh, the fans a bit of uh, insight into their lives. But as a player, I think you you need to be more focused on playing football and yeah, stay more off social media. Mm. So, what are some of the early lessons that you've learned working with a Dutch amateur club SV Robin Hood, and also as an Ajax academy coach? Uh, what have you learned as a mentor now rather than a player? Um, obviously, with the, with the amateurs, it's, it's totally different, you know. Um, you, the first thing I've learned is how to, how to get a group together so they can respect each other. Because, you know, if, you, if you're coming in as an amateur player and another player shouts at you, there's always arguments, the training gets interrupted. And that, from my, from my point of view, I, was, I could control it nicely, you know, let the players know, listen, we're all here to have fun, play the game, play with a smile on your face and respect each other and that's 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 how we, we have to do it on the field you know even at an amateur level so that i got it quite uh, quite well with the players i let them learn about it and now I, I see the difference and for me as a young coach you know starting to develop getting into the game as a coach um yeah you you learn a lot of things how you can do things uh differently from from yeah working with the ix academy because the levels are so different you know if i go to for example if i go to the to the under 60s i said to listen this is a the, the exercise that we're going to do. This is a, a passing uh, uh, exercise that we're going to do. I just have to explain it once. It, it goes to, 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 to get like a machine. But with the amateurs, you have to show it step by step. Some players have to see it and some players, they learn. They, they If you tell them, they, they get it quickly. So, you know, that as a young coach, you have I had to develop, you know, by showing an example and then let them do it and how to motivate them, how to get intensity up. You know, just I'm a kind of uh, now that I see myself as, a, as an upcoming coach, I'm more of a, a coach that one players to play with a smile on their faces, you know, mm. and let them enjoy the game because we're there to, to enjoy it. It's, it's supposed to be fun. You have to be happy when you're on the field because there's so many things in the world that's, that's going wrong at the moment. Uh, all the bombs, uh, the pandemic, all that kind of things, you know, people suffering from hunger. Uh, there's not a lot of jobs, but once you're on that field, forget all about it and just enjoy it. Let all that energy come out and have fun. That's the way I see as a coach. We have to 
embrace your players, let them let them have that uh, that moment to enjoy themselves, express themselves on the field, and that's yeah. uh, how I want to move forward uh, as a coach. And I'm sure it, it holds more weight to the young players knowing that you've played at the highest level before, and we're seeing more and more players turned coaches locally. The likes of Benny, uh, Monip, and Nomveta are doing great things for the Amazulu team this season. Um, what is the importance of backing young South African coaches? It's become a big topic very recently um, in the local game. Yeah, it, it is important. I know uh, a lot of uh, club owners are not so keen on giving young upcoming coaches, unproven coaches, uh, the opportunity. But then again, if you look on the bright side, here's a young coach's hunger. Uh, he wants to succeed. And the only way he can do it is by giving him that opportunity, you know, out there and let him gain experience. Because you, the only way you can gain experience is when you have to swim in the deep end. You know, it's either you're going to drown or you're going to survive. So that's how I think club owners have to see it you know if, if, a, if a coach uh, is not doing well support him giving them the opportunity to work with a team support is the most important thing and believe uh, you know at the end of the day club owners uh, they just think yeah if I get relegated it's my money you know <laughs> I'm gonna yeah. put someone that's uh, proven that's done the job before but you know nowadays a lot of young coaches if you look around in Europe how many young coaches are breaking through at the moment it's unbelievable because you have to give him the chance it's the same as a player. If a young boy comes up and he's 16 and he's good enough, give him that opportunity to play. That's the only way he's going to gain experience. Definitely. Now, before we let you go, one last thing. Uh, you know, we've seen you linked with a couple coaching jobs this side. Uh, you obviously have links with, with Ajax, but what are some of your ambitions for your coaching career moving forward? Um, yeah, I haven't been so long in the in the coaching uh, in the coaching game. I just yeah, it's now two and a half years. So for me, it's just that's why I also wanted to start the amateur team. You know, it's just to get it confidence, being on the field, barking instructions to the players. You know, have fun with them. Um, it's building it up step by step. Start as as low as possible where you can make your mistakes, where you're allowed to make your mistakes, and you learn from your mistakes, and then move on to you know to to a higher higher level so it's it's i've planned it nicely out for myself i'm not in a rush to to jump oh i want to be a, a head coach at this club or that club it's step by step learning it's a process it will take time but eventually i'll get there you know even if i get there when i'm 50 and i got a picture right clear in my face i want to coach at the highest level i want to i want to i want to do it the right way you know i don't want to jump through hoops and uh, you know the shortcuts i want to learn and that's how it's going so far you know for example, sometimes uh, when I stand on the field with a with a boy at Ajax, and then they always they always come out uh, and then they like, coach, uh, you can't pass uh, 30 meters passes or do this or do that, you know. And for me as a coach, then you just have to if you show the player, then he respect, you know. Oh, you can do it. So if the coach tells me to do one thing and he can't do it himself, why am I going to do it? So it's also you have to be active with the players as well, challenging them and. Like I said, it's step by step. Um, it's it's a long way, but you never know in football. It's who you know also <laughs> that can get you into a job, you know. But for me, so far, it's going according to plan, and I'm at the best academy in 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 the world that produces unbelievable players. So it's also a good place to start my my coaching career. Fantastic stuff. We will be watching your coaching career keenly this side. Uh, but thank you very much for joining me on the big interview presented to you proudly by Heineken. Bafana Bafana legend, Everton legend, and you know all around great guy who will come to dominate the coaching scene very very soon, Mr. Stephen Pienaar. Thank 
Thank you very much. Thanks for having me, guys. The Big Interview is a team effort driven by the following individuals at DSL Podcast. It is hosted and produced by Slu Paho. It is edited by Aidan Hewitt with graphics provided by Nino Segaleni. Brought to you by Sokola Duma. <laughs>